Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Michael Krasny. Early shipments of a coronavirus vaccine are expected to start arriving in the Bay Area in the coming weeks. UCSF's Dr. Bob Wachter will join us to share the latest plans for who might get those early vaccines, and we'll get an update on coronavirus spread as San Francisco heads into the most restrictive tier. But first, we talk with Representative Ro Khanna to get his take on the latest news out of Washington, D.C., including prospects for a coronavirus relief deal, and his thoughts on President-elect Biden's appointments thus far. That's all next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Before the election, Silicon Valley Congressman Ro Khanna criticized House Speaker Nancy Pelosi for refusing to take up President Trump's $1.8 trillion coronavirus relief deal. As the pandemic's toll worsens in the Bay Area and nationally, he joins us now to talk about what he thinks Congress should do immediately to provide pandemic relief. And we'll hear his take also on President-elect Joe Biden's political appointments. And welcome, Congressman Khanna. Good to have you back with us. Great to be back on. I guess uh, let's begin by talking about the status of pandemic relief uh, and particularly in light of the fact that a lot of people are now not receiving benefits, benefits have lapsed and more by the end of December will of course see their benefits expiring. So where are we? Well, it's unconscionable. I mean, uh, we still don't have a deal. We don't have any prospect of a deal. The, the President Trump is basically checked out. Uh, McConnell hasn't budged from his 500 billion number. Uh, and uh, there's no uh, prospect right now in the House of uh, uh, having real compromise. I mean, I do think we should have uh, taken uh, and come up with a deal at around 1.8, 1.9 trillion uh, when the president was desperate to strike a deal. That's why I had said we really ought to be doing everything we can and put the ball in McConnell's court. So is this the speaker's fault? Because uh, it's been hypothesized that uh, maybe she thought the Democrats would take the Senate so she didn't take the deal because she thought... Well, it's, McCon yeah. it's McConnell's fault. I mean, McConnell is the one who uh, has not budged. Uh, I, I do think that there are uh, a lot of people who wish we had done something. I mean, every day that goes by, there are more people in my district who don't have enough food to eat, who uh, don't have uh, unemployment. Uh, assistance in terms of the additional benefits, uh, whose businesses are closing. And as you know, I'm in one of the most affluent districts uh, in the nation. And so if the situation is as bad in my district. Imagine what it is in, in other parts of the country. Uh, I, I do think that Congress has failed. I mean, we should have had something uh, done a long time ago. McConnell is the most to blame, uh, but we need to do better. I mean, people want a compromise. People want a deal. 
What can be done about McConnell? I mean, he's talking about this money in terms of it being like socialism in terms of what the Democrats want and uh, seems to have a lack of concern over disparities of race. He has no concern over disparities of race. He's got no concern, as Dr. King would have put it, of socialism for the rich, all of the bailouts that went to airlines who now laid off people. Uh, he has no concern uh, of uh, the trillions of dollars that were spent uh, to, to help corporations and the financial sector. Uh, I think we just need to every day be uh, championing uh, what our bill is. Uh, President Biden, like Biden needs to uh, talk about it and, and get behind it and then put the pressure on on McConnell and call out every senator. I mean, maybe tweet at uh, uh, these senators who uh, really are standing in the way of progress. Well, President Biden uh, has, President-elect Biden, <laughs> has certainly begun to move on the economic front. I mean, he's uh, appointed a number of people, including Janet Gellin and Ron Klain, and it's coming into shape in terms of who his major figures are going to be, both in the cabinet and as advisors. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are, particularly since you were so involved in the Bernie Sanders campaign about some of those appointments. Uh, one most recently is uh, head of budget, Neera Tandon, who, is, who at one point called for cuts in Social Security, and she's getting heat from both sides, uh, particularly because from the Bernie Sanders uh, side of the Democratic ledger, he was she was one of the most prominent critics. And I think it's Brianna Joy Gray, who is former press secretary for the Sanders campaign, who said uh, she was disdainful of Sanders. And uh, how does that set with you? Well, let me tell you about first Janet Yellen. Janet Yellen, I thought, was a solid pick. Ron Klain is a, a very solid pick. I've known uh, Ron for uh, years. He was very respectful to the Bernie uh, campaign. Uh, during the campaign, and he, he outreached to progressives, uh, including me and, and others in the squad. So I think the people who are in the uh, key decision-making roles are uh, are solid picks. I think the same thing about Jake Sullivan, a national security advisor, and uh, who's, who did the Iran deal. Do I agree with every pick? Uh, no, but uh, Biden won, uh, Bernie didn't, and uh, th there are consequences to, to elections. Well, what about the concern uh, that's coming particularly from the more progressive, which you would call the squad uh, part of the Democratic Party, about some of the candidates having corporate ties and uh, conflicts of interest, possibly? Uh, I'm talking specifically about Anthony Blinken, who was very tied to Westex uh, advisors and also uh, Pine Island Capital uh, Partners, which uh, Michelle Florney, uh, who may be named Secretary of Defense, has ties to. In other words, there's a lot of concern about global risk navigations and military contracts, all of those kinds of things. And uh, that's what we're hearing that from the left. My concern with Michelle Flournoy, which I spoke out uh, about, is that she was for the surge in Afghanistan. She was for the Iraq war. She was for the war in Libya. She was for the Yemen war. So it's a, a policy record that has just turned out to be wrong. And uh, I need to hear from her uh, an acknowledgement of those mistakes and what the different direction is going to be. Uh, Blinken was uh, helpful when we tried to stop the war in Yemen. Uh, he worked with Sanders' uh, office with Matt Dust there. Uh, I think he has the right uh, temperament. I don't agree on everything, but I do think that uh, he will understand uh, many of the human rights issues. Uh, look, the financial conflicts need to be dealt with, but there are ways to deal with that. When when John Kerry became Secretary of State with Teresa Hines' uh, huge fortune, he had to divest from certain things, disclose certain things, and that kind of rigorous ethics process uh, needs to be followed, and I'm sure it will be followed. 
you feel glad about or positive about the appointment of Kerry in terms of climate change? I do. Uh, uh, Secretary Kerry and I had an op-ed in the New York Times about six months ago about how we need to win the green energy race. Uh, he, as you know, co-chaired the uh, Green uh, New Deal or the Climate Change Select Committee with uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, he has great stature on the uh, world stage. He understands Congress uh, and he genuinely wants to move the uh, the ball forward. Uh, that's been a point, an appointment that has been uh, as far as I can tell, uh, very welcome uh, by the left. If you've just joined us, we're talking with Ro Khanna, U.S. Congressman for California's 17th Congressional District in Silicon Valley. And Ro Khanna is a member of the House Oversight Committee, the House Budget Committee, and the House Armed Services Committee. And you've had questions for him, and certainly many questions, I'm sure, about what's happening in the way of pandemic relief, but also about these appointments that are being made by President elect Biden. You can give us a call now. We invite you to do that and join the program by dialing in at 866-733-6786. The number again for your calls, and you can join us now, is 866-733-6786. You can also, of course, get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email any questions you may have to forum at kqed.org. What about Attorney General, Congressman? Uh, Sally Yates has been mentioned and certainly is prominent. The Republicans would probably try to block that, at least uh, because of her role in the investigations of Trump and her unwillingness uh, to defend uh, his first travel ban. But you've also got names coming up like Lisa Monaco, who was President Obama's Homeland Security Advisor and former Massachusetts Governor Devil Patrick. Uh, want to weigh in here? Sally Yates would be terrific. Our home state attorney general, uh, Javier Becerra, would be an inspired choice. Uh, Deval Patrick, I think, is, uh, uh, would be very, very qualified uh, as well. Uh, and the one place I will weigh in is we shouldn't let McConnell be a veto. I mean, we can appoint people as acting secretary. You can legally do it, I think, up to 210 days. But it's important to note that Trump extended that uh, for 15 appointees beyond the 200 days. And so my view is we should just appoint these people acting uh, and force a, a fight and, and, and uh, set, uh, take advantage of the precedent that Trump has set. And what do you think is, is apt to, uh, well, let me actually put you on the spot if I may. Who would you like to see replace Vice President-elect uh, Kamala Harris in terms of being a senator from the state of California? Well, that's the governor's decision. And uh, it, it's, uh, I'm honored that you know, my name is in the mix, but there are also great progressives uh, out there. I'd like someone who is for Medicare for all, is for the Green New Deal, is for a $15 minimum wage, is for treating independent contractors uh, as employees. And I would be, uh, and there are a number of people like that, obviously, in our state. And, and so I hope uh, uh, he will pick someone like that. I wonder what your thoughts are. Dan Walter is a name that may be familiar to you, a uh, longtime veteran uh, Columnist uh, Sacramento Bee, and now um, his, his column appears in a number of different papers. But he says that that the re attempt to replace uh, Kamala Harris, uh, I should say, the the um, appointment from Governor Newsom is too tied in with identity politics. There's pressure on Newsom. Actually, Willie Brown said Newsom should appoint himself, possibly, but it's doubtful that that's going to happen. But Walter's thesis is essentially that uh, there's too much. Uh, uh, of the decision tied in with, uh, you know, is it a woman or is it a Latino or is it a black person uh, and so forth? Your thoughts? Well, I think it's easy to have that uh, vantage from a position of privilege. But if you're part of a fake community uh, like 
uh, African-American women who have literally no one in the Senate or Indian-Americans who have literally no one in the Senate or Latinos who've never had a California senator, then uh, representation matters. So I think those considerations are perfectly appropriate. Do I think they should be dispositive? No. I mean, obviously, uh, there need to be other considerations, and it's much like affirmative action. But to argue uh, in a Senate that is still largely white and still largely male and, and not representative of the, uh, the, the population, that we should not be considering race and ethnicity, uh, I think is to underestimate the systematic exclusion of populations in our democracy. Well, Alex Padilla is uh, thought by many to be the front runner, and he, of course, is Latino, but there are many who feel that Kamala Harris should be indeed replaced by someone who is an African-American or black woman, and uh, names have come up are Barbara Lee and Karen Bass, uh, many qualified candidates there. It's a, it's a tough pick, clearly, for Governor Newsom. Again, let me invite those of you listening to join us if you have some thoughts about uh, pandemic relief or about the appointments by uh, President-elect Biden in terms of his cabinet and advisors, or for that matter, who Governor Newsom might pick to replace Senator Kamala Harris, Vice President Kamala Harris. We do want to hear from you, and you can join us toll-free. 866-733-6786 is the number for your calls. Please feel free to be part of the program. Again, join us now at 866-733-6786, or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email us, forum at kqed.org. Again, our guest for this first section of our opening hour forum, Ro Khanna, U.S. Congressman for California's 17th Congressional District in Silicon Valley. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking with U.S. Congressman Ro Khanna, who represents the 17th Congressional District in Silicon Valley and is a member of the House Oversight Committee and House Budget Committee and the House Armed Services Committee. And if you have questions for the Congressman, we welcome your involvement in the program. You can join us at 866-733-6786. Again, the number for your calls, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email us forum at kqed.org. Let me go to your calls. Let's begin with Carrie. Carrie, you're on. Good morning. Hey, I want to know um, if the congressman thinks there's anything that can be done to force McConnell to bring legislation to the floor for a vote and um, what other kind of changes can be made structurally or legislatively to strengthen our democracy, what, what's left of it, uh, so that we're more resilient. Congressman? Yeah, it's a great question. I, first, we have to try to win those two Georgia 
uh, races and the polling is neck and neck. It's uphill, obviously, to win both, but uh, that would really help with uh, any agenda to, to uh, further uh, the stimulus or, or the relief we need. Second, we need to work on uh, really targeting individual senators and trying to pick apart McConnell's coalition. So uh, there should not be a traditional deference to the majority leader as often is the case. Uh, I mean, we need to go after the Romneys, the Ben Sasses, the people in vulnerable seats for 2022 uh, and really put the pressure on them if they're going to stick with McConnell. But I, but I think it's going to take trying to break their coalition to get anything done. There's some optimism, Congressman, tied to the fact that McConnell worked a great deal with Biden when Biden was a senator and that the two seem to get along and they've uh, worked out deals in the past. Do you put much uh, hope in that? I think President Obama had the best comment on that. I read somewhere he said uh, a long time familiarity doesn't mean fondness. I mean, I'm paraphrasing him, but just because they've known each other for a long time doesn't mean that they're suddenly going to work well together. I think it would be a uh, a grave mistake to uh, think that McConnell uh, it has somehow a, a agenda that is similar to ours. He needs to be uh, challenged at every step of the way, uh, and we can't acquiesce to what he wants. I mean, if we did, we'd have a 250 or $500 billion stimulus with no monthly checks, with uh, no student debt relief, uh, and that type of uh, an agenda, I think, would, would miss the mark. I'm going to read a listener comment about uh, Attorney General Pick. Uh, this listener writes, it would be poetic justice to see Sally Yates become Attorney General, but two other stellar and diverse candidates might be Preet Bahara and Neil Cattell, and there certainly are very good candidates uh, on that score by many people's lights. Let me bring another caller on here, and it's Wynn from Menlo Park. Wynn, welcome. Thank you. Uh, you know, we're hoping as a country that we can get the Republicans and the Democrats to get together after all the strife we've had and run the country. Wouldn't it be great if we could find a way for the liberal wing of the Democrats not to snipe at the appointments that Biden is making now so we can show some solidarity? Congressman, it's a fair thoughts? point. Yeah. And uh, I have uh, celebrated the appointments of uh, Anthony Blinken, uh, Jake Sullivan. Uh, I have praised uh, Janet Yellen. I have praised uh, Heather Bushy and, and, and a number of others. The only person I've raised questions about is M Michelle Flournoy because she was literally responsible uh, for the escalation in Afghanistan and the Iraq war. Uh, and I don't think that uh, any unity is worth us getting into further uh, escalations overseas. And nor do I think that uh, we should suddenly fall into groupthink, uh, recognizing that groupthink led to a lot of mistakes over the last 20 years, led to trade deals that deindustrialized the heartland of this country, led to overseas engagements that were wrong, ultimately led to a, a policy environment that, that gave rise to, to Donald Trump. Uh, and so uh, while I and many progressives intend to work with President-elect Biden, support him, support most of his nominees, uh, we still have an obligation to ask uh, tough questions and to be do our jobs as a co-equal uh, branch of government. So you do support Neera Tandon for head of OMB? Well, I haven't taken a position there. I mean, look, there would have been a, I would have preferred that he had someone like Bob Reich or in that uh, d d uh, in that place. But uh, I'm not going to comment on every single pick. I understand that he has uh, a uh, prerogative to, to, to fill his cabinet. I, I just hope he uh, and to fill his administration. I just hope he reaches out to more 
uh, progressive voices. I hope he has Bernie Sanders at, at, at labor or gets someone like Robert Reich uh, in there. Uh, Flournoy I spoke out against because I'm on the Armed Services Committee. And even there, I didn't oppose her nomination. I said that she owes uh, the committee an explanation that uh, she now believes in the withdrawal from Afghanistan and she's not going to uh, increase our presence overseas. The thought that uh, Bernie Sanders could be named Secretary of Labor or, for that matter, Elizabeth Warren, Secretary of Commerce, sort of falls uh, in the face of what many feel is the need for them to be in the Senate to battle McConnell and the like. Uh, You want to let us know what your thoughts are on that score? Well, my thoughts is that we should defer to what they think is best. I mean, I I think Bernie Sanders probably knows in in what way he can be most effective. My understanding is that uh, he thinks he can be most effective at labor. Uh, and he has millions of people who have voted for him or are counting on him. Uh, and that should be uh, his judgment should uh, count for something. His voice should count for something. I mean, remember, he won the first three early state primaries. I mean, you can argue Iowa, Buttigieg won, but uh, Bernie had uh, uh, more votes. So he did very well in those first three pre- states. For him to be totally shut out of an administration, I think, is, not ignor- is ignoring uh, many millions of voters. I'm going to read another email that just came in from a listener who writes, the congressman's response to your question regarding representation in the Senate was perfect. While it shouldn't be the factor, race and ethnicity should be a factor in a state as widely diverse as California. Here's another caller. Alana joins us. Alana, welcome. You're on the air. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Um, my question is, I understand that Biden has entertained the idea of appointing a Republican to his candidate. And I'm wondering if he is uh, considered the idea of reporting, appointing a Republican from a state with a Democratic governor so that that governor may then fill their seat with a Democrat. And if you know of any viable candidates for that scenario. Congressman? That's a great question. I certainly would support a maneuver like that. Uh, I doubt that a a Republican senator uh, would uh, take up an an appointment in that case. Uh, I can't off the top of my head think of a case like that, though I'm sure there may be one, and I'm confident the Biden administration uh, would be exploring that. Let me thank the caller. And uh, when a caller a couple calls back was asking about unity in the Democrat Party, Democratic Party, particularly in light of the fact that there are two pretty strong factions, uh, no one would deny, that may have come together to a great extent to defeat Donald Trump. What about unity in the nation? Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, I'd like your thoughts on that, because this is an ongoing debate, and it's certainly something that people are very concerned about. Joe Biden has tried to say that we're one nation and we need to be unified, particularly when it comes to the coronavirus. But how to abet that, how to encourage that, how to really promote it? Well, I would say two things. I think the tone uh, matters and certainly the decency that Biden uh, exudes, uh, hopefully uh, should, should help. But uh, we're dealing with some huge structural issues. First, our economic issues, where large parts of the country uh, have been left out, small towns uh, have been declining. Uh, rural America that hasn't faced, seen a lot of the prosperity. Certain minority communities have been uh, shut out of the uh, prosperity of a digital economy. So we need uh, structural reform so more communities participate in an economic future. Second, I think social media has made things uh, more difficult. We need reforms in terms of uh, how we can have some common understanding of facts and not have 
mass promotion and enabling of conspiracy theories where you've probably got now 70, 80 percent of Republicans believing that the election was stolen. I mean, there's a news environment that makes that very, very difficult. And then finally, the American project is hard. I mean, post-1965, when my parents were allowed to come to this country, we have an incredibly diverse population. We're trying to do something that historically is unprecedented, becoming a multiracial, multi-ethnic democracy. Britain has a 80% or so white population, as does Canada. It's in the 70s or 80s, as does Australia. We're 60% white. We're very, very diverse. So to think that uh, this is going to be easy uh, is just a, a mistake. And it's going to take, I think, a lot of each of us citizens uh, having conversations with people different than us, different geographies, trying to figure out uh, how we do this. But this is a project for the next 20, 30 years. Again, we're talking with Congressman Rokana and our next caller joins us from San Mateo. Brad, you're on the air. Welcome. Good, good morning, everyone. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to see what you thought. I feel like the Republicans really do an incredible job of marketing. I feel like the AOC far left ideas and, and, and policies that they advocate for are fundamentally good for people, but they just don't do a good job of, of uh, selling them. And I feel like, uh, you know, this, uh, we kind of have a faith that just bring a brighter product uh, and, and it'll sell itself. But really the marketing is so crucial. Uh, even Obama acknowledges in his book where, you know, he faced Boehner in an analogous time of where they were obstructing the needed stimulus he needed for when we were trying to pull out of a much worse situation. And they went through and tried to pass the Obamacare and, and lost the public option. They didn't do a good job of marketing, getting grassroots support for it. And they were kind of behind closed doors for marketing. So I feel like what I really want to just see is what your guest thinks. I think the Democrats need to learn to uh, take a page from the Republicans' book on better marketing. I feel like health care for all will help a lot of people. I feel like the, the hardcore Trumpers just need to – I don't feel like they really understand that. I think they have a fear. They, uh, I've seen Pence speak about – sum it up as uh, socialism and far-left radical this. and They really do an excellent job of summarizing and getting zingers in. I feel like Democrats just need to take into using Twitter more. It's one thing Trump has taught us. And just make very simple, simplified summaries of uh, and repeat them ad nauseum. Kind of that's the basis. Brad, thank of getting you for that through. call. I'm interested in what the congressman has to say about this because it's often been said that the Republicans are better marketers. Uh, congressman Connor, Brad, I, I I'm sympathetic to your point in that their sloganeering and their marketing is easier. They say no taxes, uh, less regulation, increased defense. But I would argue that what they're trying to do is simpler. It's easy to be a voice for the status quo and say no to new ideas and new change. You know, I once had a professor in, in, in law school who said, you know, anyone can critique John Rawls's theory of justice. You try writing a theory of justice yourself. And so what the Republicans do is simple sloganeering to say no. It's much harder to say our country is going through change and here are policies uh, that we need to build to make things better. Uh, and that's a harder lift uh, to construct things. And so I take your point that we need to have grassroots mobilization and better marketing. But the challenge is tougher on the left. It's one of the reasons why you have uh, extremely charismatic figures like a Bill Clinton or a Barack Obama uh, who rise to the presidency on the left. Uh, it takes uh, incredible talent, whereas I think uh, being a voice of uh, the past or the status quo is easier. What does the left do about the arguments you hear constantly on um, conservative radio and television that the left wants to take away your guns, the left wants to regulate your lives, uh, it wants to uh, have abortions and immigration be 
sort of full force in our society and our culture, which people have strong feelings about. Well, Michael, I think we need more talk radio on the left. I was uh, very disappointed, as I'm sure many in the Bay Area, that you're retiring. I think you've been a great uh, uh, voice of, of reason, not to say that you're for the left. I think you're fair, but I, you have such a level of trust with your listeners. And you have some people like Tom Hartman and uh, a few others on the left, but the talk radio is dominated by the right. Uh, and I think people underestimate how much difference that makes. Social media, the top 10 Facebook pages, nine of them uh, are conservative sites. So there is a media environment in social media and talk radio uh, that uh, is really disadvantaging the left. And we, we need to think about some of that structural reform. Well, I appreciate your kind words. And uh, let me get a little local with you here because uh, Mountain View voters approve Measure C. It bans RVs from parking on almost 80% of the city's streets, and some RV dwellers are planning to sue the city over the measure and their resulting displacement out of the city. What's your take? Well, I need to look at that issue more carefully. It's not in my district, but my uh, instinct would be to, to side with uh, the RV dwellers, if they've thought, especially if it's an income uh, disparity issue. I mean, I've certainly sided with mobile home parks before, uh, and uh, I'd have to understand the rationale of the city council better, uh, but I think we have to have an inclusive place in the valley for people to live who can't afford uh, the, the rents and the housing costs that, uh, that currently are uh, prevalent. Point from a listener, uh, we mentioned the possibility of Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren being given cabinet positions. This listener says, why would either Sanders or Warren be an option for a cabinet position when both have GOP governors who would appoint a GOP replacement? I think it's a point politically worth thinking about. And here's another listener who says, why isn't Stacey Abrams' name mentioned as attorney general candidate? Stacey Abrams would be brilliant at whatever she does. I think her aspiration is to be governor of Georgia, and I think she's got an outstanding shot at that. I mean, Brian Kemp's numbers are underwater. He's get, he has lost the credibility of independents and Democrats. He's also losing the credibility of Republicans. So uh, I, I think the, the push should be to have her elected as, as governor, and then who knows? The sky's the limit for her. Uh, in, in terms of the re Republican uh, governors, my understanding is that the Republican government, governor in Vermont has committed that he would appoint someone who's independent and would caucus with Democrats. But yes, those, those are certainly factors. Do you have some thoughts uh, about something that actually came up on NPR about uh, analogies between uh, the assertion that the election in Georgia against Brian Kemp was stolen from Stacey Abrams and President Trump's assertion that his presidency is an election that's been stolen from him? Well, the two have uh, very, very different uh, facts. I mean, in Stacey Abrams' case, there was no allegation that the vote counting was wrong. There was a clear factual allegation that Kemp cleared the roles of voters uh, who uh, would have been eligible to vote, but there was a systematic effort to purge voters. That was based on, uh, on facts. In Trump's case, uh, there are no facts. There's no evidence. I don't even understand what uh, case he's making. I guess the only uh, commonality is that we have a uh, epistemic crisis in this country where we have people viewing reality in two different ways. And, uh, in, and that is, you know, I'm not a historian, but I wonder if that's some of the worst we've ever had it. I mean, even in times of the Civil War, it's not that people had different views of reality. They had different views of whether slavery was justified or not justified. But we're now 
arguing over what is reality, and that is a very dangerous place for our democracy. And another quick question from a listener named Banu. Uh, can a congressman talk about affordable housing? Who does he suggest for housing secretary? There would be a number of uh, great picks. I, I actually thought Cedric Richmond would be great in, 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 in housing. I think Elizabeth Warren would be great. Katie Porter would be terrific. Uh, what we need is uh, massive grants to localities so that they build more housing. I mean, the problem in the Bay Area is restrictive zoning. We, we need more affordable housing, more rental property, uh, so that we can uh, increase supply. And uh, I think HUD could do a lot uh, there. Uh, Warren and Richmond have a great bill to provide exactly those grants. You know, Katie Porter in particular would be terrific if neither Richmond or, or Warren were interested. And Tom wants to know, what about Willie Brown saying Newsom should appoint himself to Kamala Harris's Senate seat? Well, look, Willie Brown uh, obviously is a legend in, in, in California politics. I don't think that's what uh, Newsom will do. My uh, instinct is that he will uh, appoint uh, one of the 10 to 15 candidates. Uh, and he's, ever since I've known uh, Governor Newsom, he's been committed to, to the job of governor and wanting to do that two terms. And my instinct is that's that's what he's going to do. Rokana, good to have you with us. Appreciate your being with us, and thank you. Thank you, Michael. And I, I don't know if I'll get a chance to be on with you again, but let me just uh, thank you genuinely for, for your service to, to the Bay Area. You've been an icon, and you always ask challenging questions, but fair questions, and I, I think you made a real contribution to our democracy. Most appreciate that. Thank you for that. Uh, and we're going to turn uh, around and talk about the coronavirus when we turn back with you. So stay tuned. There's more ahead. Bob Wachter, the head of UCSF's medical department, will be joining us. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way, from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts.